Gentleness toward people involves a patient suffering of injuries without feeling a spirit of revenge or retaliation. Gentleness towards other people is also the result of recognizing that God may have allowed these people into our lives. You know, you can choose your friends, but you're stuck with your relatives. I'm stuck with my sister in the back row. Hi, Marie. (laughs) Oh, I've got some stories I could say, but I don't want to be poisoned in my sleep, you know, or something like that, because she'd do it. No, I'm just kidding. So gentleness, meekness is toward the Lord and toward other people. Letter D, capital letter D, gentleness or meekness has nothing to do with weakness. This is the the misunderstanding that so often people equate meekness and weakness. Meekness is, is very different than weakness, almost the opposite, because meekness is strength that is under control, that isn't wild and loses its, its cool. So meekness has nothing to do with weakness. It's just the opposite. And Again, the picture was a huge horse that could be controlled by a small bit in its mouth. All that power under control. And it's a, it's a little different than self-control, which is the next fruit of the Spirit we'll talk about next week. But it is strength and power under control coupled with a willful pleasantness. You're able not only just to be calm, but you're able to be kind. The Bible says a calm answer turns away wrath. And so how many you know God wants us to dial things down, not dial them up? We're supposed to be... a A thermostat, not a thermometer. Is that the right way? Yes, okay. Thermometer is just, if it's hot, it's hot. It tells you it's hot. But a thermostat is under control. Is The heat is under control. It's actually a weak person that lashes out and loses control. The meek person is able to rein in those passions. And even though they may have the power to retaliate with harshness, instead they respond with, gentleness and so the fruit of gentleness is not one of passivity and permissiveness but a fruit of power and really discipline it is it is a sense that our flesh is under control we have we are able to live a disciplined life and so that's the meaning do you think we got the meaning of gentleness down i think we've exhausted it it's meekness, humility. Again, there's not one word in the, Greek, in the English that equals this word in the Greek, and so it takes several words to get the overall picture. So where do we get gentleness? Of course, all the fruit of the Spirit come from the Spirit. That's the name. And so they come from God. And do you realize that God is gentle? Now we see this first uh, capital letter A, God speaks to his people in a gentle whisper. So we, we know how God speaks. He's the, the still small voice. And we see this in 1 Kings 19. You know the story. Elijah just had the great victory on Mount Carmel. And now he's scared for his life because Jezebel said he, she was going to kill him. And so he's depressed. He's discouraged. He's exhausted. And God says, I'm going to speak to you. And then there was an earthquake, there was a fire, there was a wind. And this is what happened in 1 Kings 19, 12. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And that was the voice of the Lord. And so we see that the Lord 
responds in, a, in, in gentleness, even in the Old Testament. Letter B, capital letter B, it was prophesied that the Messiah would be recognized for his gentleness, his meekness. We see this in Zechariah 9.9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you righteous and, and having salvation. Gentle. That's proutes. Well, no, it's not. It's in the Hebrew. It's a different Hebrew word. But it's the same translation. Gentle and riding on a donkey on a colt, the foal of a donkey. This was fulfilled in Matthew 21, verse 5. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle, that's proutes, that's Greek, and riding on a donkey, on a colt the full of a donkey. How many of you know that Jesus could have called 10,000 angels, a legion of angels, and yet he, he manifested true meekness for us to see that though we have pow the power to retaliate, we don't. That, that we keep our strength, our passion, our, our anger, all of those things, are the, the fruit of the Spirit is gentleness, keeps all of those under control. Now, again, as we study these nine fruit of the Spirit, I'm hoping you're doing a little survey, testing yourself. What grade do you get on love, joy, peace? Do you get an A, B, C, D, or an F, minus? Whatever it may be, if you want to increase the fruit of the Spirit in your life, you need to increase the Spirit in your life. You need to have more of the Holy Spirit, as, as Nathan's saying tonight, about the Holy Spirit falling down on us and filling us. We need to be continually filled of the Spirit. And the more we're studying the Bible, seeking the Lord in prayer, in fellowship with other believers. Those are all things that will help us grow in the Spirit. And if we grow in the Spirit, the more the Spirit can fill us, the more we'll produce this kind of fruit. And so this may be one that people struggle with, meekness, gentleness, humility. But Jesus modeled it for us. And again, Jesus, this is capital letter C, Jesus identified himself as the one who by nature is gentle. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, the famous passage that Jesus said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle. That's the proutes, same Greek word. I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. If we have the yoke of Jesus, we're going to find rest. Because his yoke is easy, his burden is light. If, if we are stressed to the max, we're not wearing the right yoke. And most of you know this is not the yoke of an egg. It's Y-O-K-E, the yoke of an oxen. And so if we're stressed out, if we're filled with anxiety, that's not from the Lord. And so we've got to learn from Jesus. We've got to learn from the life of Jesus. We need to study the Gospels and see how he responded to people. Jesus said, learn from me. Learn from me. And if you learn from Jesus, you will know what it means to be gentle, to be meek. Because Jesus 
manifest that fruit of the Spirit. Learn from Jesus. Be humble in heart. And so I'll tell you what. If we're always angry and flying off the handle, you will not find rest for your souls. Right? It's when we are meek and gentle. Again, a calm answer turns away wrath. It brings down the temperature. When we live that way, we will find greater rest for our souls and, and better sleep. Have you ever been agitated, just upset at what somebody said and it kept you awake at night? And, and so we're, we're turning it over in our minds and it's just making us more stressed. Gentleness means to let it go. And Jay was mentioning not too long ago that there's a real sense, he spoke to me after one of our studies, that gentleness has something to do with forgiveness. Because we have the meekness, we don't seek revenge, and instead we forgive. And everybody knows when you forgive, it does you good. It's better for us when we are able to let things go. And I found that the more you hold on to something in bitterness, the more stress it'll bring into your life and you will not have rest for your souls. So clearly, God speaks in a gentle whisper, still small voice, the Bible says. Jesus came gentle riding on a donkey, and Jesus himself said that he is gentle. He is meek. And we are to, we are to imitate the Lord Jesus in our life. So it comes from God. It comes from the Spirit, gentleness. doesn't come from us. Doesn't come from the world, comes from the spirit. And so how do we practice it in our life? Because God gives us this fruit, but we've got to live it out. We've got to practice it. And God will give you plenty of opportunities to practice these things. So let's look at capital letter A under number three. Christians are to exhibit that same quality of gentleness and meekness of Jesus Christ. Let's look at these three verses. 2 Corinthians 10.1 By the meekness and gentleness of Christ, now gentleness is the same Greek word, I appeal to you, I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold when away. He's being sarcastic there. But, God, but Paul is making an appeal through gentleness, not harshness. Now, he could be harsh if he needed to be, but in, the, he, in this case, he's manifesting gentleness. And so, again, it, it, there is a time we have to confront people or confront situations. The Bible's not saying we should just let everything go. It's, about, it's how we deal with situations. It's how we confront people. We speak the truth in love. Too often we just speak the truth or, or too often we don't speak the truth. The Lord wants us to deal with situations, to deal with people, but with meekness, with gentleness. And so we're, we're not to be a doormat. We're not, if we care for another believer and they're being harsh with somebody, it's within our, our responsibility to to try to help them. And maybe they don't realize that they're that harsh. But we do it with gentleness. And so Paul was ready to bring some correction to the Corinthians. 
But he said, I'm going to do it in a gentle way. I could do it harshly, but I'm going to do it gently. I think people are more apt to receive it if it's gentle, don't you? Most of the times, whenever I've had to confront somebody, it rarely goes well. <laughs> Nobody likes to be confronted. Nobody likes to be told that they're doing something wrong. But I've found when I can come in a humble, kind way, people are more apt to accept it. Maybe not initially. Rarely do people accept a rebuke right off the, off the bat. But if we say it in a loving way, then most people are willing to receive it. I got to tell a story about my sister. She's gonna, now she's going to be scared. I've got her. I have power over her now. She's nine years older than me. And, uh, well, uh, you know, let's just say that uh, she, you know, well, let's just not worry about it. We'll leave it to that. But she, in all honesty, she is very sweet. And that's genuine. She's not pretending. That's, that really is her nature. She's very kind, very sweet. And she was the manager of a large dentist office for many years in Alaska. And I remember at, after Marie's husband passed away and a few years later she married Chris, who we love and adore, um, one of her friends that worked for her spoke at her wedding. And she said, one time Marie had to take me aside and bring correction in the dental office. And she, she didn't know Marie very well. She was fairly new. And she, and she realized how nice Marie was bringing correction. And she thought, if this lady's this nice when I did something wrong, I want to work for her. And ended up working with her for many years. And so it was all in Marie's approach. She had to bring correction. Marie was the boss. She was the manager of that office. But she brought correction in a meek way, in a gentle way. And not only did this woman accept it, she, she became her friend because of it. She was so moved by that. I'm telling you, sometimes the greatest witness we can offer is the fruit of the Spirit. We don't even have to preach or hit them over the head with our Bible. If we truly express gentleness and meekness, especially in our culture today that's so harsh, you know, there's so much road rage and there's, there's so much anger in our society. If we're a person of calm, we're going to stand out. And when they see that that's genuine, like my sister's friend, we're going to win people over to Jesus. Isn't that amazing? We'll win people to Jesus through gentleness. We'll win people to Jesus through meekness. Boy, that's a, a new approach, but it's the truth. It really does work. Ephesians 4.2. Be completely humble and gentle. Again, the same Greek word. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And so we see in several of these texts that humility, to be gentle, you have to be humble. You, you have to have a humble spirit if you're going to be able to be gentle. And it's also, we see, when you read the scriptures, you want to get the, the whole context of the verse. It mentions patience. How many of you know you cannot be meek without patience? It requires Patience in dealing with people and also patience in waiting on God. Because rarely is his timing our timing. 
Colossians 3.12. Let's get a, a, a little deeper understanding of meekness and gentleness. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. There it all is. I mean, that, that, whole, that verse defines gentleness, meekness. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. So we see two scriptures that if we're going to have the fruit of the Spirit, it's going to mean that we're more patient with people. We're more patient with circumstances. Capital letter B, gentleness produces peace and calms quarrels. Proverbs 15.1, here we said, I've already stole my own, th uh, my own thunder. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. We can escalate it or de-escalate it. All right, capital letter C, gentleness is crucial in restoring those who have been caught up in sin. When someone repents, genuinely repents, we are to restore them with gentleness, not harshness, not condemnation, because they repented. So we, most of you probably understand this context. In 1 Corinthians, a man was living with his stepmother, or his mother-in-law, actually. And so it was a sinful situation. God told them, or Paul told them, you need to deal with this in the church. Second Corinthians, now they think there were four letters to the Corinthians. We're only, we only have two of them. Second Corinthians, Paul says, what are you doing? The man has repented. Let him back in. You, otherwise, you're going to crush his spirit. Our goal is, in, in confronting sin, our goal is repentance and restoration. We don't, we're not here to condemn people to hell. We want people to repent. Because when they repent, they're forgiven and they are to be restored. Now, sometimes that's a process, a restoration process. In the assemblies of God, if a, if a, if a minister has an affair, the minimum they have to step out of ministry is a year. Depending on the offense, it can, it can go longer than that. And so... The goal is to have that minister step away so that they can be restored. And we all fall short of God's glory in different ways. Some are more drastic than others. But how many know if we truly repent, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us. And so when we confront someone in sin... It's important we do it with gentleness because our goal is not to drive them away. Our goal is to get them to repent, to stop what they're doing so that they can be restored to the fellowship, restored to the body of Christ. And so we see this, how important gentleness is when someone is being restored. When someone has sinned, and is being restored. And we'll, we're going to dive into this more. Because it's in Galatians. And it's just a few verses away. But for just a brief time. Capital letter C. Galatians 6.1. Brothers if someone is caught in a sin. You who are spiritual. Should restore him gently. But watch yourself. Or you also may be tempted. 
And so there's, there's sometimes when someone else sins, we can look kind of down on them in a haughty way. But we need to realize that anybody can sin. Maybe in, a, like I said, a different way or to a different degree. And so I've learned, because I've, I've walked a lot of people through restoration, that you all, and sometimes in that process, you step into their world. And, you know, as, I can honestly say as a pastor, I have heard more things than I ever wanted to hear. And I, it's, it's difficult to step into restoration because sometimes you have to deal with the sin and the circumstances. I've had people in my life that had spouses that were unfaithful and, and, and they were so devastated and I would try to minister to them and, and, and at the same time, you know, the turmoil and the tension and the stress, guess what? That would jump onto me. And it was, it was like, you know, their burden, the devastation of sin is sometimes hard to bear. And I'm kind of a compassionate person. I wear my heart on my sleeve. And so I think that's good to, that a pastor should have a tender heart. But I was also told when I got my credentials 35 years ago, but you also have to have a tough skin. I'm, I'm good at the tender heart. <laughs> I'm still working on the tough skin after 35 years. But I understand this scripture, what it means. That when, you're, when there's a, like a major uh, uh, scandal or, or sin and, and the church has to step in to bring restoration and forgiveness and healing, uh, you get in the middle all, of all that, you need to watch yourself because you're just as capable. And I think also Satan is going to try to attack you because you're trying to bring restoration. And so in that process, you got to guard your own heart. And we'll go more into that when we get to that scripture. Letter D. The person of God will gently instruct those who oppose him and the truth. 2 Timothy 2.24. And, and uh, Paul is talking to his protege, Timothy. He says, and Timothy is a young pastor, and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Instead, he must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. Those who oppose him, he must gently instruct. Same Greek word for meekness, gentleness, humility. In the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading to them to a knowledge of the truth. Again, the goal, the reason we confront people in gentleness is so they'll repent. If we attack people in their sin... Guess what? They're going to go on the defensive. They're going to get defensive. But when they know that there's genuine gentleness, genuine compassion, they're more apt to, to repent. And this is important because if, if sin is left unresolved, how many know that's dangerous for eternity? And so, but our goal is not just to point out someone's sin. Our goal is to get them to repent of it and be free. And so Paul was teaching Timothy how to be a pastor. You must gently instruct. Don't argue. Don't quarrel. Don't, don't get in big fights over, over doctrine, especially doctrine that is, that is, you know, obviously we hold to sound doctrine and the core values of the scripture. 
But even then we can, you know, if you believe in a pre-trib rapture and someone else believes in a post-trib rapture, how many of you know you shouldn't get in a fist fight with each other over that? Yes, I know. <laughs> uh, those are areas where we can agree to disagree. We can't agree to disagree on the Trinity or the deity of Christ. Those are rock-solid doctrines of the faith. But in, the, in some of those peripheral things. Letter E. Effective witnessing requires gentleness and respect for the unbeliever. This is important. Not only are we supposed to be gentle to each other as brothers and sisters in Christ, it really manifests itself with the world. Look at 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Remember this old story there were Two pastors that were being voted on to take over a church. And the one pastor got up and preached on hell and sat down. The second pastor got up and preached on hell and sat down. And they voted in the second pastor. And so somebody, they asked the people, why would you vote in the second pastor? Both pastors spoke about hell. And they said, yeah, the, the first one sounded like he wanted people to go there. And the second one wanted to save people from going there. So that is the difference in our witnessing. Do we want to send them to hell or do we want to save them from hell? And so, and sometimes it can get, it can get ugly dealing with the world. And, and I've had people protesting, shouting in your faith, face. I've had people threaten my physical well-being. And so we, we have to learn to be controlled in control and have that gentleness. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I was in my office and I heard this loud shouting and it didn't sound good. And it didn't sound like someone was having a good time. So I, I opened my blinds and I could see our little security guard, she's for the school, she's like five feet tall. And there's a obviously disheveled most likely homeless man that is twice her size yelling in her face. And I was thinking, and so I immediately ran out of my office, told Jackie, get ready to call 911. <laughs> yes, Jackie, I told her that. And so I ran around to the front because I thought he's going to hurt this little security guard. And, she, you know, she was just trying to get him to get off campus. School was in session and he was trying to get on the campus and she was doing her best. And so I came out there, he saw, and she, he saw me, and he started backing up. And so I was just naturally walking toward him to make sure he got off campus. Well, he saw that as aggressive behavior, so he started coming back toward me. And that little five-foot security guard stood right in front of me. She stepped right in front of me. And I thought, how brave this, this lady is. I was a little humbled, too, that she felt I needed protecting. He was twice my size, too. But, uh, and so he, the guy finally left campus, and I, I realized I talked calmly to him. He was yelling at me. He was calling me racial terms. Man, he's called me names I hadn't heard in a while. 
And I mean, he was letting it all fly, but fortunately he was backing up with each step. And I just remained calm. We remained calm. We didn't yell at him. Uh, you know, we just wanted him to get off campus and I made sure he was down the street. And uh, the security guard says, well, I, I, I wanted to protect you. <laughs> I said, you know what? I'm a, I wrestled all through school. You don't have to worry about me. I was ready to throw down. Next time, I just need to remember to take my glasses off first because I was, I was thinking, because I really thought, I've had a lot of encounters over the years. I, I've had some pretty scary ones. And I thought, I thought this one uh, that I might actually have to throw down. And I was praying that I could remember my wrestling moves. I, fortunately, I had just done one on my, ne- my son-in-law. I don't know if you saw that on Facebook, but I did a wrestling move on him. So I still got it, bless God. But I thought it was, it was so, so sweet that she was trying to protect me. And, uh, but I was, I was amazed at her courage. Because this guy was, t- was big. And she, she was just courageous. And so I t- told, she had to sit down for a while because it really upset her. But I just t- complimented her and said, you, you know what? You are brave. Just, you know, she's just trying to do her job. But the key was, this guy was agitated and he was... He was yelling, we remained calm. We didn't escalate the situation. So that's how we need to respond to the world. Calm. The fruit of the Spirit. And I was amazed how calm I was. You know, it, it didn't upset me, but I, maybe because I've had to do it a few times. But gentleness. Everybody got it? Do you think we understand what the fruit of the Spirit of meekness and gentleness means? Let's pray. God, thank you for these standards that you've put in your word. If we belong to you, then we should have the fruit, the good fruit. And so Lord, truth be told, we we all have the fruit in different measures to different ripeness. (laughs) And so Lord, in those areas where we need to grow, maybe it's in gentleness and meekness. I just pray, Holy Spirit, we can't manifest this fruit without you. And so fill us fresh and anew with your spirit. Strengthen us, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. God bless, we'll finish the fruit next week, Lord willing.